Welcome to Real Life Full Equity Podcast with your hosts, Justin and Keisha Brooks. Hey, welcome to the show. Our goal is to share with you real life examples of entrepreneurs who are winning in both life and business. As real estate investors, our mission is to model, educate, and inspire you to act by sharing ease to implement tools, ideas, and information to add more worth to your net worth, more cash to your cash flow, helping you achieve your goals in less time. Welcome to the show. If you haven't been listening to Real Life Real Equity, here's what you've missed. I'm looking at different markets, looking at different asset classes, because there's so many ways you can build a business and make money in real estate. And through that kind of multi-year process, I landed on mobile home parks and decided to go ahead and, and build a syndication business, raising money from investors, allowing them to passively invest in the parks I acquire. And uh, since that time, I've got to, uh, parks in Georgia and Tennessee and have a, a new one under contract in Mississippi. So yeah, so outside of Texas, definitely outside of California for a mm-hmm. lot of reasons. Just trying to find you know good markets and great assets in different places across the US. Nice. So let's kind of hit that just a little bit because a lot of people feel like they have to invest like right where they are. A lot of times the market doesn't make sense where they're living. Yeah. What led you to investing outside of California? Well, I was kind of the same mindset. Um, I, there was one point in time quite a few years ago that I had rented out for a short time a house I was living in when I moved elsewhere and just had this idea, hey, I want to be able to see the tenants myself, be able to drive by the house. And that just was kind of seemed natural and normal. And it wasn't until I uh, met uh, Russ and Robert through some local meetups they were doing here in the Bay Area when they lived here that I met a guy who was doing turnkey houses in Dallas. And I just, that just blew my mind. It's like, how could you possibly own an asset, not where you live and someplace you can't drive by and touch. But then, uh, you know, over a course of a you know a year or so, I when I uh, you know met other people doing it, I went on a field trip. I you know actually drove through neighborhoods, met property managers, insurance agents, other brokers. I was like, wow, this is really possible. You don't yes. have to, yep. uh, you know, through the you know just you know with the internet, definitely it helps. But even back then, you know, and it wasn't. Uh, you know, as as common, it was like, it's pretty easy for your property manager to take great photos of the house, take videos to really let you know everything going on. And I would go to Dallas sometimes and drive by the houses. And it was like, uh, there's not much to see. It's the same as the same right. as if I was driving by the house around the corner from where I live. So, right. um, so it was a big mindset shift. Mm-hmm. And I encourage anybody to get if they're just saying, oh, no way, that's impossible to really, uh, you know, open yourself up to the idea that, uh, that if you have the right systems and people in place in the markets where your houses are, it's absolutely doable. I have a great answer for that question. <laughs> so why, why, is, why are systems important? It's very important, okay? Yes. It comes down to this. If you don't have any systems, see, what, what systems do is they actually spit out data. Right? Mm-hmm. When you have a system, you get to you get to organize things. Let me give, let me give you an example. Let's say you create a procedure. Right? That's a system, right? Procedure. Right. Uh, in a lot of businesses, we'll call them SOPs or standard operating procedure. Right? You have right. a standard operating procedure. Well, so now because you have a standard operating procedure, you can actually measure if that procedure is being implemented or not because you have one. Right? So you it gives you data. You're like, okay. Procedure is, is implemented only 75% of the time, and we're not getting the results. The procedure is implemented. Last week, we implemented the procedure you know, 100% of the time, and we got much better results. Automatically, you got data. Right. And why is data so important? Because data allows us to make rational decisions. Mm-hmm. No data 
we make emotional decisions. Mm -hmm. And most okay. business owners out there make a lot of freaking emotional decisions. Mm -hmm. And that's why they fail. Because one day they wake up and their favorite color that day is pink. So everything needs to be pink. And then the next day they wake up and they don't, they don't like pink anymore. They like brown and everything needs to be brown. And then after a year or two years, they've been spinning around and they're, they're stuck in the fog. They have, and they don't even know it because they're just like, oh, I like pink, I like brown, I like yellow. And then, <laughs> right? And then they're making a lot of emotional decisions without even realizing it. And that's, the, that's a sure recipe for failure in business. Because mm. business is a straight line. You know mm. what I always tell people? Business is, is as simple as putting together a 30-piece a puzzle. You know that puzzles you give your kids when they're like five years old? You know, yes, the, we have like a each piece. Each piece is about this big. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what business is. Business is about, it's probably about 30 to 40 pieces. There's one loss for me that kind of stands out the most. And I would say that was when I first started getting into commercial real estate, I started working with, I was working with Hunter part-time at ASIM Capital at the time. That was about it. And I was still a realtor with Remax in the Washington DC area. And I was in a relationship with you know, an individual that I thought for sure, you know, we're going to get married one day. And uh, one day there was like a, um, well, let's put it this way. I performed very well my first year with Remax. And then mm -hmm. I kind of got probably a little too cocky and thought that year two was going to be the exact same. Yeah. And as you know, sometimes just not the same. Right. And so I had like, I'll never forget. I had like three or four deals that year that I was pretty much banking on that fell through. And everyone that fell through was like, it was something like, uh, you know, like someone's, someone's having a baby or like their grandparents passed away. It was like oh, things wow. that, that like I couldn't even control. Yeah. And next thing you know, I'm just looking at my bank account, like, Oh my goodness. And then I've got, you know, a woman that I'm getting ready to prove that I'm ready to carry a family, but yeah. uh, no, not looking like that. <laughs> so, that was, that was a really hard time. And then I would say, thankfully I had some good people in my life. Andrew Reamer is was someone in particular who was my broker at Remix at the time, still a really strong influence in my life, who was there to uh, help me through the hardships. And I don't know, I just, I look at how rock bottom I was at that point. And then I would also say the next rock bottom point was not, I'd say close to a year, a year later, but long story short, the, the relationship ended up not working out. But what mm -hmm. we had done within that year was moved across the country from Washington, D.C. to San Francisco. Oh, and wow. I, had, I had many people <laughs> advising me not to do that. And I can look back on it and say, yeah, that was a crazy risk. But what ended up happening was because I relocated out there, that's when I started working more intensely with Hunter and with Michael to the point where it got me to where I'm at now, which is working remotely 100% of the time. Uh, living where I want, doing what I want. So yeah. um, it was like you know, huge risk, definitely a lot of hardships along the way, but I guess being able to just stick with it. I recently purchased an apartment building. We had some unconventional terms of the purchase where we received credits at the sale. Um, wow. It was a property that was more of a headache for the seller. Um, even though it was very well occupied, they were... The property was primarily occupied by tenants of, you know, they were doing a lot of turnovers, a lot of evictions and things like that. And I felt that because of my experience uh, in property management that I could, you know, turn this property around. We purchased the property for $34,000 a door. Wow. Uh, wow. The current rents or the rents that were in that apartment building ranged from the majority of them were $400 a month apartments. And then probably about 20% were like $500 a month apartments. So the average 
was about 425. Okay. okay. As soon as I t- took down the property in late October, uh, we immediately started turning over tenants and we have now successfully turned over six apartments that were rented for $400 a month for $580 a month. Oh, wow. Wow. Almost a 50% increase in my rents and almost $200 a month, $180 a month. And the cost of that turnover is uh, it's $3,500 to wow. Wow. Up those apartments. So um, I'm able to get 100% of my money back just in that raise in rent rate in 18 months. So in uh, 18 months, 100% of my return back. Uh, on my investment into the turnover of that apartment or another way of looking at it is that every time I turn over one of those apartments and I create an additional oh, $2,100 a year in net income uh, for my property, once you factor in the capitalization rate of the property, mm-hmm. increase the value of my property per turn by approximately $25,000. Oh, wow. wow. And I did six six of those yeah. wow. last 90 days yeah. so six times 25 150,000 oh, yeah. dollars in increased value in you know in a matter of almost three months and that also includes the holiday season which was in, extremely hard to you know, get anybody to do any work yeah, right right wow that is amazing absolutely amazing win yeah. i mean They have to go back to work. So what we're doing is we're protecting people's retirement. We're helping people set up their own pension. We're helping people protect their family with life insurance. And like you said, right now we're recording this and this, this, you know, coronavirus is going, it's a pandemic. It's not in, you know, Texas. It's not in the United States. It's across the world. People are getting sick. They're passing away. And we have solutions for that. We're protecting people's families with life insurance. We're protecting their retirement from, you know, bleeding dry. We're we're moving it into safe accounts and um, we're helping people create extra income. We're helping people start their own franchise so that they have money uh, saved up so that they don't have to worry about working till they die. Because right now that's the biggest problem, you know, the aging population in America. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. So, I mean, a system can be a lot of things to a lot of people. I would say that really for me, it's been important to define the processes in everything that you do, right? And then it, and immediately, whenever revenue justifies it, you start hiring on team members and delegating out. Yes. Because what ends up happening for everybody, and this is for all entrepreneurs, right? They hit a plateau. There's just literally not enough time in the day to do everything that they need to do in order to grow their business, right? Right. So you, so sometimes you have to bite the bullet and say, okay, hey, I might take a little bit less in, in a paycheck this year, but I'm going to hire on that person because I need that extra time in the day to go out and work on my business, not work in my business. Right. So immediately me and Ferris knew that that's how we had to, to run Disrupt Equity. We had to have a solid foundation to start with. And then we could build up from there. And that's, we're now starting to kind of see the fruits of our labor, but. A lot of this just starts with you. It sounds like it's so easy to get caught up. Like, what am I going to do? And start looking outward. But what am I going to do? It's all of these external circumstances. How do I get toilet paper? What do my kids eat? But rarely do people do a lot of reflection in this time because stuff is moving 
it's easy to get lost in the sauce, just mm-hmm. plain and simple. And so one of the things that I would really recommend to people is to monitor what you're consuming during this time. Consume only what you need to from the sources that, like I'm saying, get on calls and stuff. But even I found myself, I quickly learned, because I'm usually not, I'm a social media guy, and I'm not on social media outside of making my clients money. You know what I mean? For the most part. But when I notice that when I'm scrolling through, like if you're on Facebook, I know we all go up through Facebook, most of it is negative. If you, there's no way about it. If you think about if you're feeding yourself a bunch of terrible food, it's the same thing Mm. with your mind. A lot of us know this already. Sometimes we don't catch, it's easy to scroll. And these times it's easy to scroll down your Mm -hmm. social media timeline. It's easy to feed your mind a bunch of BS. So you got to really, most of it is is negative online. So you really have to watch that, what you're feeding your mind during this time. That's why I'm saying step away. And if you have to watch the news during that time, I would rather, this is one of the few times you'll hear me say, I would rather watch the news right now than Mm. watch, than scroll through my social media timeline. You know what I mean? And so I would really encourage people to start there. Start with you. Yeah, so I'll start with just some uh, traditional uh, information that I share with people to help them be better connectors. I'm kind of known as the not networker. I don't believe that people should just show up at events or go places and just network by handing out cards, spray and pay. I call it the spray and pray approach. Oh, wow. um, they, they aren't um, having what I call a curious conversation. Mm. Uh, so I like to connect through curious conversations and by being curious and authentic, you're going to, the, the, my, my probably most quotable quote is, your most authentic vibe attracts your truest tribe. Mm. And so it, the, the odds of doing more business faster, longer together is by being authentic because you're going to attract the people who get you, who connect with you, who they resonate with what you speak and live. Right, right. right. For more episodes like these, don't forget to check us out at realliferealequity.com. Subscribe to our newsletter at realliferealequity.com slash newsletter. And subscribe to us at iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to Real Life Real Equity Podcast. If you would like to ask the hosts a question or be exposed to our podcast audience, visit our website at realliferealequity.com and submit a request. Again, that's realliferealequity.com or send us an email at info at realliferealequity.com. Again, that's info at realliferealequity.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week right here on Real Life Real Equity Podcast.